They then began to build bridges across the Hellespont from Abydos to the headland between Cestus and Metus, the Phoenicians building one of ropes made from flax and the Egyptians building a second one out of papyrus. From Abydos to the opposite shore, it is a distance of almost two-thirds of a mile, but no sooner had the strait been bridged than a great storm came on and cut apart and scattered all their work. Xerxes flew into a rage at this, and he commanded that the Hellespont be struck with three hundred strokes of the whip, and that a pair of foot chains be thrown into the sea. It's even been said that he sent off a rank of brandishers along with the rest of the Hellespont. He also commanded the scourgers to speak outlandish and arrogant words. You hateful water, our master lays his judgment on you thus, for you have unjustly punished him, even though he's done you no wrong. Xerxes the king will pass over you, whether you wish it or not. It is fitting that no man offer you sacrifices, for you are a muddy and salty river. In this ways, he commanded that the sea be punished, and also that the heads be severed from those who directed the bridging of the Hellespont. That's one that sticks with me, having read Herodotus all these years ago. Right? Xerxes whipping the Hellespont. I mean, I always envisioned him actually doing it himself as well. There's also that recounting. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's something I always have in my head too. I, it's like, it's, honestly, I have it so vividly. It's like a painting, and I don't know if I've seen absolutely a at the prow of a boat. Yes. Just whipping just, the waters, just yeah. because he's such a petulant. Yeah, and oh. just like putting his whole body into it. Yeah. And just, yeah. But he is just consumed by this hubris that he's mm-hmm. the king and he's yeah. going to rule over even this water. Yes. Yeah. I always wondered if that kind of came from the idea that like you would appease the gods and like do. Right. The, and so he's kind of like, oh, what's up, gods? Like, I'm supposed to be doing yeah. this, well, that's why, this yeah. land and you're not listening to me. Well, that, that quote know, said like, God that, is yeah. in control of. of you know, the elements and that it's yeah. not up to man. But also just re- viewing a created thing as something that... Should be under my control. Yes. Yeah. What an ego. What an ego. You what could... a segue. That was awkward as all get out. <laughs> you could say that he uh, kind of uh, was all consumed by yes. his hubris. Yes. So when we talk about ego... We, we often think about people like Xerxes who are almost delusional with their overblown ego that they think that 
they're so good at everything and that they're entitled for everything and that they should have things in, in control, right? Yes, that they're the ones who dictate everything, even things that cannot be dictated by man, such as the weather. Yeah. And also to be so arrogant and so self-conceited as to think that the weather went out of its way as if the weather is a personal thing to thwart his will, which yes. is a perfect will, which should not be thwarted. Yes. Yeah. And, and the, the story later on from that piece where um, somebody asks him, hey, can I ask you a, a favor? And, you know, it's doesn't he say it's a big favor? Like you say, like it's, it's really mm-hmm. big and... So Xerxes like, well, sure, I'll give it to you because he like he thought, okay, I know everything that this person could possibly ask me, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to be a benevolent king and I'm I'm going to give it to him because I you know know exactly what he's going to ask. And this man asked that one of his sons, because his five sons, four sons, are in the army and there's no one to. Uh, carry on his name, right? Like, there's right. no one to take care of things at home. Like, this is a father who had five sons yes. and four of them are dead. Yes. So, like, there's nobody there. So, he asks for his son to come come back. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, are the sons dead? For, like, I don't, I don't remember the numbers, yeah. but only one remains. Okay. The rest so, are dead because they died in Xerxes' war. And he's like, that's fine, but listen, I got nobody to carry on my line. I'm getting older. Yeah. You know, I need, I, I need a son. Yeah. Xerxes vehemently says no and is outraged at the audacity of this man to ask for that mm-hmm. but i think it's more because he didn't think of that yeah he I thought he was going to ask for some land or some mm-hmm. cattle like some riches yeah, whatever some money and yeah but i think he's more outraged that he came up with something to ask for that he didn't foresee yeah Whereas, again, like, he thinks he is a god. Like, he should have been able to foresee this. Yeah. So he's like, I'm not going to give you that. I'm actually going to kill your son. Yeah. And he split him in two and put him on one side of the road. and The other side of the road. That's the whole army marches between the the last son of this guy. And you're like, why? But I think it's really because he needs to be god. Yeah. And he thinks of himself as god. And then anything that goes against that thought or anything that proves him not mm-hmm. god throws him off and he throws a major temper tantrum yeah i i, I mean xerxes was king of, of one thing for sure and that is temper tantrums yeah he owned he, that he owned it he ruled temper <laughs> tantrums you know you read that story and you're like wow i'm never going to complain about a two-year-old again <laughs> go ahead go hold your breath over there <laughs> it's fine when they start going, give me a whip. I'm going to whip this water. <laughs> they're like, ah, got to want to watch this kid. Yes. But when it comes to ego, I think a lot of people start thinking about different parts of the psyche. And you did some research into this because. Yeah, very cursory. Yeah. Because it just when the word ego comes up, Freud comes along with it. Uh, because he, he used those words in like very clear for his ideas. Yeah. Where you had. The, the id, which is kind of the animalistic, subconscious, kind of like the thing that just drives you without having any control. rational, any control. And then you have your super ego, 
which is kind of like your moral ideas and kind of that it's what you hold yourself up to. And he even has this theory that you punish and reward yourself. And that's your super ego. Like if you do something that doesn't go along with what your super ego thinks it should, then it will subliminally punish you. The, just, the idea of a conscious almost. Yeah. And just also like if you do something that is good, like, oh, I helped a, you know old lady across the street and that fits with my super ego, then without consciously thinking I'm going to reward myself, you end up serendipitously at the ice cream parlor. Okay. So it's kind of like that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then in the middle as referee, as the rational holding things together is the ego. Okay. And so if you had said to Freud, Oi, you have a super big ego. Like, you just egomaniac. He would have said, thank you. Because <laughs> to him, like, the, the ego is, like, what holds, like, rational beings together. Okay. And you want your ego to be in control of your id and your super ego. And then is that where sense of self, self, the ego can be also, like, kind of, like, your self-worth Right? Yeah. Self-confidence. I think so. And I think that's... Well, I think that's more what it means now is that we kind of have for it to mean more the self. I think the word just basically means self. Okay. So it it kind of ends up... What terms you put behind it, if that makes sense. Like Freud has a very specific term, ego, whereas it has kind of morphed now into something that I don't think Freud would say is what his definition of it is. Yeah. Because right now, I would say most people, when we talk about ego, we think that as slightly negative. Yes. Like, oh, don't let your ego get in the way. And, you know, he has a big ego and, you know, like stuff like that. So, right, we think about it as someone who's a braggart and someone who puffs himself up. It's how I would say most people think of it ego. Think of like egocentric and yeah, that sort of people. But yeah, at the same time, you have a lot of books or self. What's what's the term? Self improvement books. No, well, self improvement books. They are like, oh, you need to have more self worth. But like, they use a different word than self worth. Um, uh, self esteem. Self esteem. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's that's a kind of an ego thing. It is. It's connected yeah, I would to say, it. I would yes. Say it's an ego thing. But then, how are we to properly understand like? Is is the ego good? Is the ego bad? How do you go about constructing a good ego or a bad ego? Right. And so we kind of talked about how there's one side of, of ego saying that you're basically Xerxes. Yes. But which is, is connected to one of my other favorite words, which is um, hubris. Yes. I remember is, learning that word. I thought that was the coolest. It's just like hubris is that outrageous arrogance. Yes. Such a good word. Mm-hmm. Not used enough, I don't think. No, no. We but need to it, call it what it is. Yeah, like, that there, was hubris. Absolutely. That it's was fair. above and beyond pride. Yes. You went lot. the extra mile on that well, one. Well, it, it, hubris leaves no room for any kind of backing down or, <laughs> right. or correction. Yeah. I think a lot of politicians have some hubris going on. Sure. It's good. good word to use for, for a politician. Go to your town meetings. I, I feel like you've imbibed a glass full of hubris. <laughs> Give it a shot. Let us know how that works. Okay, I'll let you guys know. (laughs)
But there's there's the other side, and I think this is where you're talking about these self-help books, talking about self-esteem, where you can have it where you're you're basically not a person. Like, you're, you're shattered, and you're saying that I'm not good at anything, and I'm not – that you're not good at anything, and that you're not – adding value to anything and that you're essentially crippled from doing anything. Like it, it's, it's stopping yeah. you. Like you can think about it. Your lack of ego is stopping you from doing things. Yeah. If that makes sense. But I, I do think it's very interesting though, that what you have just described there is somebody who's still very self-centered. Yes. And so I would say that is just as bad as the other side, so I'm I so what we're we're tr I'm trying to pull here is the two sides of a unhealthy ego, and while somebody might see this person who needs constant validation, might not say, "Oh, you're an egomaniac," right? Or like they're not going to say, "Oh, you're you know so ego driven and right, you're so at least on the surface on the surface like people wouldn't say, "Oh, that's what you are." But I would say that's just as unhealthy as the other side where, you know, people are like, oh, you're always boasting and, you know, prideful. You, you, you just, think you own everything. Yeah, you think you're the best and you're really not. You're so vain. You probably think this song is about you. You're so vain. You're so vain. I, I think the other side is just as bad. Yeah. They're just flip sides to the same coin. Yeah, because where um, you're self-absorbed and self-obsessed. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're trying to find your worth in yourself, which we can't do. You're not going to find it there. Sorry. It's a pretty shallow, shallow well to go to. It is. Where do we start looking for a healthy side of ego? So the health. So I would say a, a healthy what what a healthy ego looks like is someone who's not thinking about their ego at all. So a healthy ego is one that's not taking constant petting or beefing up, right? So a healthy ego is the one that takes the least amount of attention. And I would say the only way you're going to ground a healthy ego is to looking to Jesus Christ as your identity, Right, because it gets all wrapped up into identity, right? Right, that's self -identity. what ego is, is. It's what your yourself is, right? Yeah, and if you're just so absorbed into your self identity, mm -hmm. then you are not going to see, you're not going to be in that richness of being, having your identity in Christ. Yeah, because you're going to be judging who you are by every thing that happens in your life. Yeah. And you can either try to take a small thing in your life and puff it up and say, oh, I'm so amazing. Yeah. I, I played miniature golf yeah. once and I got a hole in one. And you're telling everybody that, yeah, yeah, I, I golf. I do great at golf. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm amazing at golf. Just making sure that you, you never actually go golfing with people. But you're right. telling everybody that you're an amazing golfer. Or you're someone who golfs and then you, you failed at miniature golf. And you blow that up to being your whole life is miserable because you can't even do a simple task like golfing. Exactly. And it's like people, it's miniature golf. Right. Right? So that's where... And you, the, the you, same thing you could be saying, people, it's just high school. Get yeah, over it, right? Yeah. Ex or anything. Anything, yeah. Right? Because when you're you're looking to yourself for who you are, it's not going to work. You're going to just be empty. 
That's right. But then it, how do we start in an actual practical way forming a strong, healthy sure. ego? Sure. And it's, it's difficult. And like I said, like you're... I think one of the ways that you, you brought up a good quote by C.S. Lewis, so go, go ahead. Yeah. So just like I said that, you know, you don't want to be thinking about your ego. So there's, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that being humble doesn't mean thinking less of yourself, but it means thinking of yourself less. So just like you could put an ego for that, right? It doesn't mean that you have a low self-esteem or a, a bad ego. It, it means that you're not thinking about your ego. You're not thinking about yourself. That you right. have filled yourself with so much other good stuff that you don't need to gaze at your navel and, and think about all these things all the time. And yeah. again, it's not one of those those perfect moments because like obviously... I mean, we can talk about like how you kind of went through an ego transformation at one point, if you want to. And I, I, I transformed I w- from being perfect to being ultra perfect. That's all wow. I know. Yeah. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. No, I would. I mean, like I struggle with it for sure. So what? So- from your vantage point, what what did it look like when I grew up? Basically, I mean, and that's and that's the thing, too. It is it is a growing up, finding your way thing, too. No, I would just say because you when when you got a job as a welder. There was a lot of pressure on you and there was also a. Oh, what word can I use? A milieu zeitgeist, uh, whatever you want to use. Uh, we we talked about this before with welders, but how welders seem to have rather large egos, mm-hmm. bordering on the Xerxes side. <laughs> Not, yeah. That, uh, well, I, I I've heard one person say that they were born on a tractor with a welder in their hand, which I thought was just incredibly uncomfortable for her his mother. But that's how what Are you, he's welding on the tractor. Yeah, like he was born driving a tractor with a welder in his hand. That's how good he was. Wow. Yeah. That you can imagine. That's funny though. Like I would just start laughing at that. Was he puffing himself up through that? Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. He that's... wasn't even making a joke. Oof. That's really. <laughs> I don't understand the tractor. Like if he had said I was born with a welder in my hand, I'm like that's a pretty typical thing to say. Like, not welder per se, but, like, I was born with the baseball mitt on my hand or I was born with the... Yeah. I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, I would, like, for me, I was born with a crochet hook in my hand. But, like, the tractor's really throwing me off. I don't get why, like, because you don't weld on a tractor when it's moving. You know, I think the imagery was just that he was good with equipment. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Or maybe his maybe maybe his mama just didn't stop, you know, for anything. It's a brag, and he's taking it seriously, and it's not even based on anything. It's complete myth because that's not that would not happen. No, hopefully not. (laughs) Or it would at least be in the newspapers if it had. Local (laughs) man born on tractor with welder in hand. It doesn't. Oh my! Says now he's changing. Now, now we're getting so sidetracked by this. This is throwing me off. Okay, see, this is the this is gold though. I want more stories like this from your welder people. So I just saw you 
going from, and this is partly too, like you, you went from a job that you didn't feel very successful at, right? Mm -hmm. they, and they, they didn't set you up for success in that job either. I mean, I was also 18 and I was doing sales, which I mean, like, it's kind of like, hello, would you like to buy something? Yeah. So there's the age thing as well. And then you're thrown into this job that you really want to do well in. And then it's kind of hard to break through and, and learn. and Just like most jobs are at yeah, that age. Absolutely. So, but I, I noticed that you were kind of trying to match that bravado i don't know what the that's, right a, that's a good word that's a yeah, good word. yeah. Okay. bravado because, the welder's bravado because i would ask you oh how did your your day go and you're like i went great i crushed it it was amazing and i did so many good welds and then i would i don't know like half an hour later come downstairs or whatever say hey you want to do this and you'd be crying i'm so bad i'm never gonna learn <laughs> i suck at welding Everything was so bad and I didn't know what to do. So you, you went through a lot of like Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. <laughs> where it was like at, at first everything was really great and then it wasn't so good. Which, I mean, to be honest, I'm sure it's it was a little bit of fake it till you make it. Yeah, I would is, agree which with is not, that. Which is not bad. But I just thought. Some people, some people really dislike that phrase, fake it till you make it. But then if that mm. if you didn't live by that saying just a little bit, then this podcast wouldn't exist. Oh. 100%. A lot of things wouldn't exist. A lot of things exist. that we do it would not happen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, just, me having okay. rabbits. I have I know I know nothing about rabbits. I know nobody with rabbits. It's, it's all YouTube and me just like, yeah, let's just go for it. Oh, the best fake it till you make it mm -hmm. is the founding of the American uh of the United States of America. Really? I think so. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna we're just these colonies, these backwater colonies, and we're gonna go up against the greatest military power in the world. Yeah. With nothing. Yeah. With nothing, and then they're gonna go to France. The France, the French king, be like, yeah, with a little bit of your help, we can totally take them on. Yeah. To for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which I mean, to be fair to England, is that or at least. I, I think was resourceful of us is that we chose the moment where England's forces were divided because they were fighting more than one war. Yes. So that helped us out. Tremendously. Tremendously. But it was that, I think that was just clever on our part. That's why we decided. That's, that's, that's why we decided this mm -hmm. is the moment. This is our day. Uh, so no, like, and I would just say like when you finally felt a little bit more comfortable uh, in your, in your position there, you did for a while kind of have that slightly obnoxious ego at some times mm -hmm. where I'm like, dude, it's a, it's a bit much. And that's just me. Like I've known you for forever, almost my whole life. Almost. It's weird how that works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so I could tell that maybe you're putting it on a little bit. I would not say it was ever totally obnoxious that I would have said something. No. I probably did. Cause I'm a butt sometimes. But I, I don't know. Like, what was yeah. it from your perspective? No, I think it's just that the first, not the. It wasn't the first time I've ever done something hard, but like, it, it it's one of those big important things in the first step, first step in life where you're learning something difficult and you're trying to master something, and at first you feel worthless. And then you go to a, a false sense of competence, right? Mm -hmm. So because you know a little bit, you think you know a lot. Mm -hmm. 
And then once you actually settle into knowing a fair bit, you can actually start to humble yourself by how much you don't know. Sure. Even though you know more than when you were more confident yeah. about what you knew. Yeah. And that's the, the thing. Like We're coming to that word humble. Yeah. And let's get back to that C.S. Lewis quote. Humble doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It doesn't mean what like we would call humble brag. It's like, oh, yeah, I can do that, but it's not that good. It's, 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 not. it's saying, yes, I can do this. Yeah. But there are people who are better than me, and there's ways that I can improve, mm -hmm. and there's more to learn. So I think what's important with ego is that it's it's not self-deprecating. It's not about saying, "Oh, I'm so horrible." Yeah. That was the, that's the bad side of ego that uh, we just exactly, talked about. Then we're, then we're getting right back to that, right? And it's not about saying I'm the best welder in the world when you've been doing it for a year. Right? So it's, it's that balance of saying, no brag, just fact. No brag, just fact. It, it's saying that I can do this, but there are these layers to it. And that comes, the easiest way to see, see that is with technical, physical skills. Because it shows up right away. That, that could be, I mean, I, we've, neither of us have held more... Intellectual jobs. Intellectual jobs. Well, there's nebulous jobs out there, right? Yeah. Like let's let's consider advertising. Yeah. There are some statistics to show that your advertising is good, but what if your product just like all of a sudden started being appreciated more? Mm -hmm. So yeah, people are paying more attention to your advertising, but that's just because it fills a real need that people want. Yeah. So or, that, you're, or you're, you just had to have that advertising for that amount of time for it to make an impact. Exactly. It's it's a very nebulous job. Yeah. Or uh, like a teacher, like yeah, yeah, your kids graduate, or like yeah, they might so, say something. Yeah. But well, like, how much of it is inherent skill? Yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like those test scores, like are you making the test too easy? Is it just is natural, the test too hard? Is it natural abilities. It's really hard it... to rank where you are, and that's where I'm trying to say, you shouldn't be looking to rank yourself. And this comes from somebody who is always trying to rank herself. Always like if if I I test very poorly, but I always want to have tests where I can say this is where I am in the rank of the world. Right. Like I want to know what what tier uh, out I am. of out of the billions of people. What yeah. kind of what kind of category do you do that's you fit in? That's what I want. Yeah. You know, and that's like I'm I'm getting you know tutored in art, and she says, oh, that's really good. I want to know how I rank in all of the art ever made of all time. <laughs> and so when she says that's good, I'm like, but is it? Is it really? Uh, compared to Van Gogh, do you think that's good? Compared to Rembrandt, do you think that's good? Exactly. If Rembrandt, like, comparing if... to the cave drawings, was it good? So it, it, it's, it's frustrating, but then it's just a, it's empty, bottomless pit. Of because you're thinking about yourself. Exactly. And it's just a dark hole. Just a Alice in Wonderland never-ending tunnel. Like you never get to the bottom to the teeny tiny door even. This and is... if you do, there's no little cake to eat to get small. And then you start crying and then you drown. <laughs> it's Alice in Wonderland without the happy ending. <laughs> and... I, th I think this ranking thing is so, so interesting because... Yeah. 
in jujitsu, it's it's a ranked system. You have the belts mm-hmm. and you rank up through it. And it's the same thing. Early on, people are so focused on that and they care so much about it. And they'll go into class and then they'll see somebody get promoted ahead of them. And like, well, I just was able to beat up that person. So really, I'm just as good as they are. Why aren't I getting promoted at the same rate that they are? Yeah. Well, maybe it's because... The coach doesn't like the fact that you're thinking so much about yourself. Yeah. And then you need to be a little bit hum- humble about yeah, it. Humility, yeah. Always stay humble and kind. That's, There's yeah, a that's lot amazing. of different reasons to go into that. So with jujitsu, would you say there's a level where people are, and I, I know this is a personal thing, so it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It depends very much on the small select people that you know. Yes. Would you say that there comes a point where even though they're not at the top of the top, they are content with where they are and that next step feeling of like have to push to the next belt or the next stripe, you know, it, it, it does there come a point where where people aren't pushing that hard, where they're more in it for the journey, but no, like more in it, more in it because they enjoy it because they love the craft, I, you know, like not to use that cheesy journey line but to kind of use that cheesy journey line that that next belt or that next medal isn't everything yeah no i would say typically it's brown belt which is just is the one below your final belt you know like your black oh, belt okay that's where you see it the most is that okay. like kind of that understanding so that high up yeah okay that can be seven years deep into it yeah it depends for everybody. But Which that's, is, I mean, just wanted to clarify. It's not saying that having goals is bad. No. No, it's not bad. And it's not even saying that going to competitions and, and trying to win is bad. No, it's not. Cause, I mean, that's part of what you're doing is you're trying to win. Mm-hmm. I mean... This, it's self-defense. This, this, it would be pretty bad self-defense if you're like, just want to lose. And you're, <laughs> you're, pretend, just, you're pretending this mugger is coming mm-hmm. at you and you're like, ah, you know, I'm good. I'll just get curb strong. I, I have a good sense of ego. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll just give up here. Yeah. Take my money. I kind of thought it would be more like halfway where people would be more. That's where you see it turn, but it, it depends still, so much. Okay. So because at Purple Belt, which is halfway, people can get there faster due to just their inherent ability. And they still don't see all they have to learn. Because what I've heard is is once you get to black belt, everybody says, well, now I'm just starting to learn everything again. Like I'm just, mm. it's it's like I've just barely scratched the surface, which is okay. how most crafts go, right? When sure. you get to the top echelon of your craft, you're, you just realize how much you don't know. Well, I mean, I, I, to, for, the, for the ranking, there's always going to be the next rank, right? Like we were saying how there's always going to be somebody better. There's always Mm -hmm. going to be something else to learn. But there's also the point to where when you do become a master, like, I don't know, your your goal is to have, be a multimillionaire. And when you get your multimillion, it's kind of like, oh, it wasn't that big. I mean, for me, it would be. I would fully appreciate my multimillions. To, but to I've, the heard, I've heard that people who should probably donate it to my fund of multimillionaire hey, There's donation buckets down below. Uh, yes, I know. 
fill them up. I will I will enjoy it thoroughly. No, but like there's there's that idea of once you get the thing that the the level that you want, like you want it to be like master painter, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be the next Rembrandt or whatever master painter you say is the best, right? And you you get there, then you're going to look at people who are working so hard to get there. You're going to look at them differently and say, you know what? Maybe that wasn't what everything was about. Now yeah. that I'm up here, like now that I'm a black belt, yeah, I realize that there's so many ways to go up from here. Like it, it never ends, and so I need to just humble myself and keep learning. And yeah, to have this, I don't know, trying to build my ego on on this next ranking. Yeah, is unfulfilling. Yes, like it's, it's emptiness eventually. Like, even if you get what you think you want, it's going to be empty. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's why, ultimately, anything that you're just pursuing just to make yourself great, like, if, you're just going to find it empty. Because mm-hmm. there's no rest in that. Yeah. Which is why you need to to lay that foundation of resting in what Christ has done for you. Because then when you do that, you have the confidence to fail at something yeah because it because doesn't make it it doesn't just because you failed at something doesn't mean that you lost value in who you actually were exactly it's it's not yeah it's not taken away from your person yes right? because you because didn't christ you, has already said you are mine that you are part of my inheritance right like this is who you are yes that you, you can't lose that value just yeah, because you're not going you didn't to lose me because of that small failure you had. That right. Messing up at miniature golf. Yeah. You hey, know? why do you keep bringing that up? <laughs> no, it's me. I'm terrible at miniature golf. I, I'm the worst. I blame the little teeny tiny sticks they give me. I feel like if I had a big, hefty stick. A good, good sized club. I think so. I think that would help. At least I could get my aggressions out. Here's a good stick to beat the lovely lady. But no, like there's there's like life is full of trivial things. I'm using miniature golf, but there are things that seem bigger than miniature golf mm-hmm. that we take personally as as failures. Right. Right. And it's not to say that you shouldn't learn from your failures and just say, "Oh, that happens." It's no, it is a it's an opportunity for growth. But your failures do not amount oh, to the person yeah. that you are. I mean, taking constructive criticism mm-hmm. is right in line with what you're talking about. You know how secure you have to be in yourself to be able to actually take on constructive criticism? So because You, you want to know how I take constructive criticism? So they're like, I'm going to give you some constructive criticism. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, thank I'm, you. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and they say it, and I go, uh-huh, I, I see what you're saying. Thank you very much. And, and, that, and then I walk away. And then I bawl. And I'm like, mommy, mommy, they said mean things to me. Mommy. So I, I like have a big cry out, like just massive. And then, then I'm fine. Then I'm like, okay, I put it in perspective. I say, okay, that's, you know, what the, I see the points and the yada yadas, everything. But like, I gotta have the cry. Like, I'll take it. I'll take it. But there's, there's gonna be the cry moment for sure. For sure, and there's probably going to need some hugs from mom or somebody involved. 
it's just going to happen. It's just, yeah. <laughs> so I think I, it's something I should probably work on. No, it's something but... that everybody should realize whenever they say, I'm going to give you some constructive criticism. Just realize the person who's going going to receive that mm -hmm. is not going to see it as constructive yeah not ever ever unless they are very secure in who they are yeah like very secure well, they I, are oh yeah. like there's always gonna be a just a little bit i i think always maybe maybe there's some people who are super self-controlled but i think mm -hmm. always there's gonna be an immediately like this entrenched like oh no that's not wrong I don't like. What are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't. That doesn't align for this. This reason. And I did this and this and this for this. Mm -hmm. And then you're gonna like. Oh, okay. Okay. I can understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Perhaps in the future I could be a little bit more considerate. Oh, you know what? This is where my lack of ego, like the bad side. Yeah. The, yeah. I don't know. What are we calling it? The the flimmy flammy side of ego. Yeah. Um. I think everything that they say is immediately true. Oh. And it, it breaks my world. <laughs> Instead of saying, like, they're just saying, tweak this, tweak that. It's not saying everything you have ever done in your entire life is garbage. So that's kind of where I go. Oh. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a different perspective. Definitely different perspective. Because I, 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 I don't get, I mean, sometimes I have gotten defensive. For sure. Oh, I get very defensive. Oh, you do? I, but now, there's a lot of it where I'm like, I'm defensive because it's actually true. Oh. And then there's this deep existential crisis and more yeah. tears. Uh, so you get you get defensive? I Like, I would say, knowing myself, like, that's my inherent nature is to get defensive. Okay. And now I've I've grown enough to, like, kind of realize that and mm -hmm. just, just try to receive that as constructive. Mm-hmm. But how do you get people's feedback without the deep turmoil? Because, you know, how we were saying, like, you shouldn't have people affirming you all the time and, and boosting your ego all mm -hmm. the time. But it is true that you want people to kind of say, hey, this is reality. Yeah. Because, right? I mean, you would have no idea what reality is unless you had the people around you telling you, like, yeah, that, that does make sense with reality. Yeah. Which so is how why do you get opinions on your work and how do you get whether solicited or unsolicited criticism? Mm -hmm. How do you place that? Like, how do you handle that? Like, I'm thinking as someone who might have to criticize somebody, right? right? Like, someone, like, what we would say constructively. Yeah. Right, they would show me their work, and I would have to say things. So, how do you do that without shattering the person you're with? So, the way I do it, it's maybe not. It's weird. It works, but it's not always as you would think that people would pick up right away on what I'm doing. So, what I right away do is I compliment. That's what I was going to say. I, you I, have to compliment first. And, like, mm -hmm. you got to make it a genuine compliment. Yeah, and specific. And specific. Uh, it has to be a good compliment. Yeah. I like the way that you put together the opening soundtrack to the podcast and how it riffs off of a classic jazz piece called Monin. Oh, thank you. Okay, You're now what? it's the bad. <laughs> Sometimes the... Uh, Intermittent clips seem to go on just a touch too long. Not too long, but just just barely too long. Sometimes. Hardly ever. So you just like hedge forever? Yes. Oh, 
Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if I like that. That takes too long. You were just talking about how the clips were too long. Oh, 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 well, I will take that constructive criticism (laughs) and just say that you're sometimes your intermittent clips are too long. Well, I just want to say that sometimes they're too short and then people can't get the full feeling of them and can't recognize what they are because it was too short. That's an understandable position to have. But. (laughs) And I'm glad that you received that constructive criticism so well. (laughs) By getting all defensive. (laughs) (laughs) See how hard it is? No, it is. No, and I I definitely try to, if if I'm in that position, like, try to give as many positives as negatives. Mm, No. You need to give more positives than negatives. What if it's it's doo-doo and you're trying to make them fix it? Then go 50-50. Okay. But what if you start doing the ultra manipulative thing where you make a positive into a negative where they understand that you're actually making a point where they need to improve, but you're saying it as a positive? Yeah, that that's like 3D chess. I don't play that. Yeah, it's fun to try it. <laughs> <laughs> Another way is to ask genuine questions. I think that's the thing, too. Is like but how, it has what to did be you genuine. Think, how did you, well, I know, but... It can't be just like I'm conniving to get them into this little hole where they get entrenched and they get yeah, stuck. Yeah, but is that a fake until you make it kind of thing? Maybe. Mm-hmm. No, no. no but fake, like, fake being genuine until you uh, actually are genuine. Uh, <laughs> but you, are you genuine then? Because you're, you, you're genuinely you, faking. Yes. If you can fake sincerity, you can fake everything. Exactly. No, I I, th- I think questions too. A lot of times, like when when someone when t- someone says like, "What do you think about this?" More they're asking, can you ask me questions so that I can think yeah. through this? But also, like, questions questions are just helpful for clarifying. So whenever somebody gives a speech or a lecture, the first question you should have is, I heard you say this, and by that I took you to mean this. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So it's the duty of the listener to something to understand what somebody actually said. Sure. And give people an opportunity to clarify what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Because they might not have said it as clearly as necessary, or they might not have said it in a way that you fully comprehended. And there might, you could easily have an argument about, especially about hot button topics, where you could have an argument, and because you're talking past each other, mm-hmm. it, you have an argument quickly just because you're talking past each other, where sure. you didn't need to have that argument. Right. You know, I think this happens a lot when you're a kid. I remember a lot mm. ha- having arguments where, like, all of a sudden you just, oh, so we agree. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. See, my arguments were always based in um, irrational arguments, so I won. <laughs> I, I, like, as soon as I was losing, I would change the argument, and it would be completely irrational, but I would defend it to the death. And then nobody could actually argue it. So I won because people would just walk away. I was victorious. Just because you're the last one on the battlefield does not mean you were victorious. <laughs> Suppose that's true. So where would you say your ego is now? Would you say it's in a, in a good place overall? To say so would be to be thinking too much about the ego. Oi. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Constantly learning more and more about myself. And mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. 
I and again, I think that's another thing that like, we are not saying that you should not be self-reflective. It's not. It, yeah. <laughs> it's not that you shouldn't ask, where am I actually at in life? Mm-hmm. And how are things going? The ego is a funny thing because we can all be self-possessed and it can flare up at times you don't expect it to. That's human nature. The thing is you can learn what sets you off and then there's very it's much better you're much better at controlling those emotions that are brought up. We could have a whole subject on like controlling emotions and sure. what what that means to even control emotions. Mm-hmm. But for me what it is is not thinking about yourself so much. Yeah. Like not and it's very liberating because you don't have to worry whether you're doing a bad job or a good job. It most people who are anxious are are thinking about themselves too much. And it you can't just say stop it. Right. It's, 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 it's something you work through. Yeah. But also I would say that if you want to have a healthy ego, you should try to do something difficult. And become good at doing something difficult, sure, which is why you, you gain confidence through reality, like skills, like actual skills. Yes. Right. That you're not blowing one thing out of proportion, but you're like actually growing and building up something that is tangible and, and is there. Which is why a lot of people say that jujitsu is great at learning how to control your ego because it's oh, a, okay, it's, a di- sure. it's a difficult skill that is has tangible results. See, one that I really like is cooking. Mm, yeah. Because there's always some, like, you can always push yourself. Like, there's always that limit, but you can all, it's very beginner friendly. And there's always that way to go up. And you do receive judgment on it, unless you're cooking for yourself. I, I think a lot of, there's not. Even then. Even then, you are, like, tasting it. You you're get, your you own get judge. that immediate feedback. Yep. This tastes good, this tastes bad. Right. And then it's also something that you do often. Yes. Right. So you could potentially do it this every day. This is a really day. good point. So I think cooking is one that's really good for getting a solid ego because you're going to fail. You're going to burn yourself. You're going to burn stuff. yourself. It's going to be painful, but you're also going to see growth and the sky's the limit. Like it, it never ends with cooking. You never get to a, a level, if that makes sense. Like Yes. You, you know? never, you never plateau out completely. And like, yeah, you could be a celebrity chef, but like the the skill of actually cooking, you have to keep building on it, and you'll yeah. find that even if you stop for a while, you'll feel rusty, right? It's one of those things. That oh, it's for like sure, you have yeah. To keep, you have to keep going, so you can't focus on your rank because you're never going to be done. Yeah. So that's why I would recommend cooking. That's brilliant because everybody has to cook. Exactly. We all got to eat, sometime or another. Sometimes I forget to. It's problematic. No, I would I would say for me, the biggest thing I'm working on with my ego is not letting myself get in the way of myself. That, don't let you stop you. Pretty much. No, it, it's just don't don't let all those those doubts and those negative thoughts ruin the fun that is actually here right now. Like don't let it take something that should actually be fun and that good moment. And just because you're you're holding on to all these past failures, right? Don't don't let that get in the way. Because I would say that's like my ego getting in the way. It is because you're conflating yourself with the things that you do. Yeah, but when I say you know what, everything is done in Christ. I am, I have already won. 
everything I do is is bonus. Yeah. Right? Like, if, if I'm serving him faithfully, that is enough. Yeah. I mean, just that whole already one thing is if you have that mentality, you see it in sports teams. When they certain sports teams can go out on the field knowing they've already won and they mm-hmm. just play their best. Go, confront the problem, fight, win. And they have fun doing it. They play their best. Yeah. Yeah, and it's wonderful. And and that's what you hope to get out of life is to just have fun knowing that you've already won. We hope you have enjoyed the Ducks Never Waver lunch break. If you would like to fill your senses with more Ducks Never Waver goodness, you can feast your eyeballs on Instagram and Facebook. Touch some of our beautiful pieces that we will ship right to your door by ordering them through Etsy. Or you can continue hearing us on this magnificent culmination of auditory recordation. Donation buckets are in the description for you to invest in the betterment of this podcast. We will work diligently to read and present interesting topics. Your hard-earned money will be joyously and gratefully spent to improve your lunch break. Want to keep your hard-earned money? And who doesn't? You can still support us and yourself by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing this here podcast with all the other ducks in your life. Stay quacky.